Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
been a lot of places. I've been all around the world, seen a lot of faces. Never know where I was on the horizon. Ooh, well I know, I know, I know, I know, so I'll be rising back home. No, we won't forget where we came from. The city won't change us. We beat to the same drum. No, we won't forget where we came from. The city won't change us. We beat to the same It's hard to commit to it. You say that it's hard standing still. Don't you know that I spend all my nights counting backwards the days till I'm home? Sons and 
Money's dancing time. Dance, dance, take it, take it. Hula, hula, hula. Dance, dance, take it, take it. I like it. Hula. Dance, dance, take it, take it. Hula, hula, hula. Dance, dance, take it, take it. I like it. Hula. This show is blind to color. Dark days like any other. You can dance the heavens open Just enough to slip some hope in Mitzvah liot b'simcha This show opens on the vine Nothing you can do when it's dancing time Tans, tans, take it, take it Hule, hule, hule Tans, tans, take it, take it Thank you. 
in the AM, the Yilel Shabbat medley done by Micha Gammerman. Uh, Huelo Kano from Yehuda Green, eighth day had Hula. The Maccabees with Home. After all, it is Celebrate Israel weekend. We have our presentation of, uh, of our um, Celebrate Israel segment coming up at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, right around the time when the parade would be, if it was Parade Sunday. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com, for their support in presenting the show and just in general presenting everything that we do that celebrates Israel, in addition to so many other things. Uh, so we're going to do that at 11.30. Matis will be on between 7 and 9. 11.30, you'll hear that. At 1 o'clock, you go to CelebrateIsraelNY.org. At 1 p.m., you go to CelebrateIsraelNY.org. That is a JCRC virtual celebration, which we'll talk more about later on in this edition of JM. In the A, Micha Gammerman had the Tfilot Shabbat medley, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this June 19th, day 27 in the month of Sivan, the year 5780. Tough Shin Pei. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach outside of Israel. Israel's way ahead of us, way ahead of us. Um, <laughs> but we, they're always way ahead of us. Uh, we're at Parsha Schlach with candlelighting at 8.10 here in the New York area. 8.10 is candlelighting time. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, will be Monday and Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Monday and Tuesday, which means we start saying Yalav Yavo and we turn into Rosh Chodesh on Sunday night. So it's a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Monday and Tuesday. Sunday is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. 65 degrees, 73% humidity, winds are south. 8 miles per hour, partly cloudy, high of 80. Then tonight, clouds and a low of 68. Tomorrow, isolated thunderstorms and a high temperature of 83 degrees. 73 in Yerushalayim, 65 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. And I thank you for uh, tuning in, of course, and being part of what we call an amazing radio experience. That's how we, that's how we designate these sessions of JM in the AM as unique and incredible radio experiences. Um... Malcolm Honeline will join us. Weekly update at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, about an hour from now. Um, Reb Eiser Babad will join us in the 7 o'clock hour. We have our own fundraiser going, and we're still fundraising for other places. We'll explain. Michael Miller will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. We've got a uh, a CelebrateIsraelNY.org celebration on Sunday, which we'll again talk about with him. Rabbi Yudin scheduled for 8.15. Uh, we have a big announcement at the Nahum Siegel Network. We are, 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 yes, underline R, put it in bold letters, 
courtesy of our friends at Kedem, we are hitting the road Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Tuesday live lunch from the five towns. Uh, seems that uh, it's going to be in front of our friends at Central Perk Cafe. St- uh, stop by. 11 o'clock on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, we are scheduled to be in Teaneck, New Jersey. Most likely in front of our uh, friends at Sammy's. On uh, What would Sammy's be on? What would that be officially? Is that State Street? Uh, not State Street. There's another name for it. Uh, but anyway, I think most of you in, in the Teaneck area and in Bergen County know where Sammy's is. That's where we're planning on being on Wednesday starting at 11 a.m. So we are hitting the road. We are celebrating the reopening of New York and New Jersey in a safe manner, obviously. Uh, We are celebrating the uh, reopening of New York and New Jersey, and we'll be outdoors. And uh, we'll do those live lunch broadcasts again at 11 a.m. on Tuesday and 11 a.m. on Wednesday. And a big thank you to our friends at Kedem for sponsoring our On the Road segment coming up. It's been a long, long, long time. Uh, We really have not been out of this studio since the end of February. It has been a long, long time. Uh, so we hit the road and look forward to greeting you in, of course, the safest and most socially accepting manner uh, this coming Tuesday and Wednesday on the road in two of our favorite locations, frankly, the Five Towns and Teaneck. So come on by and say hi. Bad weather? I don't know. Hopefully it won't be bad weather. I don't know what the answer is if there is bad weather. Uh, a reminder that the uh, next Friday I'm not here, and I don't want anyone to suspect, God forbid, that it is a uh, COVID-related issue. It is not a COVID-related issue. I have to have uh, elbow surgery next week. So if I'm not here Thursday and Friday, please don't panic, and please don't start any rumors. Just know that um, I am fine outside of some elbow repair that must be done. Simple as that. All right. So keep that in mind, and I and I thank you. <laughs> keep that in mind, and I thank you for understanding. And thanks for all the good wishes, by the way. Please, God, everything should go well. And uh, oh, we gotta make sure we get uh, qualified. Not that we have any other type uh, um, of uh, substitute hosts uh, for next week, next uh, Thursday and Friday here at JM in the AM. We will work on that. We will work on high-quality substitute hosts. <laughs> but like I say, we ha- we don't have any other type of substitute hosts, so that should go very well. That should be relatively easy, to say the least. Uh, JM and AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, always exciting, and I thank you for being here. This is Eitan Katz. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
And the road ahead is paved with possibility, laughter and smiles. When I'm with you, I'm soaring high and free. When you're in my world, I believe in me. I look into your eyes and see that I can be stronger, I can be braver, I can be, I can be anything, anything I wanna be. Oh, anything I wanna be. I have the power, I have the courage. I am a hero. Everything I need is inside of me. Is inside of me.
Candles, they always burn so bright on Friday nights. The smell of challah is always right on Friday nights. And when we hear and we're all dressed up, my father picks up the key to shop, and I know it's the start of a special day. Schlockapella with I Got My Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Uh, good morning. Welcome to a Friday, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach outside of Israel. Candle lighting at 810. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz Monday and Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday is Rosh Chodesh. Happy Father's Day to all the dear old dads in our audience. Uh, before the Schlockrock selection, Micha Gammerman had the Lil Shabbat medley. You heard Yehuda Green in there with Huelo Kenu. Oh, I'm wrong. Did I not update our list? <laughs> I, I forgot to update our list. Okay. Uh, my apologies. My apologies. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. 
Um, what did we have after the LL show? I think we did an Eitan Katsuelo Kenu, if I'm not mistaken. And that might have been it. I think we did the Eitan Katz and then straight into Schlockrock, if I'm right. Anybody out there who has a better memory than I have, you could certainly help me maintain this playlist by by being in touch with me. I never expected that to happen. I usually am pretty pretty good about that. Um, yes! G-Man asks the question. G-Man asks the question. He says, Rafur Shleimanachum Bursa. Um, a question mark. Yes, it's, I mean, it was described to me as a bursitis, but I guess you're right that it's a bursa or whatever they call it. Yes, and that's the elbow surgery that's happening on Thursday. Thank you. Thank you, G-Man, for paying careful attention. I appreciate that. And yes, according to listener Dale and listener Miriam, Sammy's is on Queen Anne Road, and that's where we'll be, please God, on Wednesday. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listener's sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And of course, on the Web 11 NSN app. Galay Tzal in the background. To our news from Israel coming up. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, NachumSingle Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. News from Israel. Galay Tzal next. Galay Tzal, משרד החינוך וארגון המורים מדיינים בשעה זו על מועד סיום שנת הלימודים לאחר שהמסע ומתן הלילי הסתיים ללא הסכמות. כתבנו דורון קדוש מוסר שבארבע אחרי הצהריים תוצאות המגעים תעוברנה לבית הדין לעבודה. אם הצדדים לא יגיעו להסכמות, יכריעו שופטי בית הדין בסוגיית מועד סיום שנת הלימודים בתיכונים. ולראשונה מסוף אפריל, יותר משלוש מאות נדבקים בקורונה ביממה. לפי נתוני משרד הבריאות, בשעות האחרונות אובחנו שלוש מאות ארבעים ותשעה נשאים חדשים של הנגיף, ומספר המתים עלה לשלוש מאות וארבעה בני אדם. בעניין החולים הפעילים עומד כעת על ארבעת אלפים שלוש מאות שבעים ושניים, בדומה למספר בסוף חודש מרס. המשטרה הגישה כתב אישום נגד צעיר בשנות ה-20 לחייו ממזרח ירושלים בגין תקיפת חבר הכנסת לשעבר יהודה גליק. כתב האישום מייחס לצעיר עבירה של תקיפה וחבלה ממשית. כתבנו בבירה יובל שגב מוסר שבתחילת החודש הגיע גליק לבקר את משפחת הצעיר שנהרג מירי שוטרים איאד אל-חלק בשכונת ואדי ג'וז. הוא הוכה ונפצע קל באירוע. מועצת הסוכנות הבינלאומית לאנרגיה אטומית אימצה החלטה הקוראת לאיראן לשתף פעולה באופן מלא עם הארגון ולאפשר לפקחי הסוכנות להיכנס לשני אתרים בהם יש ככל הנראה חומרים גרעיניים שאינם מדווחים. איראן מונעת את כניסת הפקחים לאתרים אלה זה ארבעה חודשים. והסוכנות הבינלאומית חושדים כי בשני האתרים פיתחו נשקים אטומיים בחשאי בראשית שנות האלפיים, אולם טהרן טענה שהסוכנות מעוניינת לחפש באתרים מידע התואם את זה שנחשף על ישראל ב-2018. ראש העיר סכנין, ספואת אבוריה, החליט לקרוא ליציע הדרומי באיצטדיון דוחה על שמו של סובחי עותמאן, הפועל שנהרג השבוע באתר בנייה בעיר והיה אוהד קבוצת בני סכנין. שמעתי המון על אהבתו ונאמנותו של סובחי לקבוצה, כתב אבוריה בחשבון הפייסבוק שלו. עיניי דמעו ולכן אני אומר לסובחי שמך יישאר חרוט לנצח באיצטדיון דוחה וכל מי שייכנס אליו יזכור את אהבתך לקבוצה. כך ראש העיר סכנין. 
מזג האוויר ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות שתהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה. ייתכן טפטוף עד גשם מקומי קל בעיקר בצפון הארץ, ולמרות התחזית, כתבנו גיא ורון מעדכן שחופי הכינרת, קינר וגופרה נסגרו עקב עומס מבקרים. אלה החדשות. J.M. in the A.M. right here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network, and I thank you for joining us. So Kedem presents us on the road next week as we try to get back to some semblance of normalcy. I have mentioned to everybody that getting back on the road for us is really, really important, uh, both business-wise and, uh, and otherwise in terms of spreading the word about our network and getting more and more people into it. Um, so we, uh, we are um, uh, being brought to you by our friends at Kedem on the Road Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time from Long Island, from the five towns, and Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time from uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. That is the plan. Everything outdoors, of course, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, but we just need to hit the road. The last time we've been on the road was sometime in February, I believe, and it's now June 19th. It's getting, it's getting into the deep part of the summer. I think summer starts tomorrow, actually, officially. Anyway, so that's what's going on, so keep that in mind, and uh, please, God, everything should uh, continue to uh, go well, and uh, hopefully we'll be out there more and more and more. Um, more and more and more in, t- in terms of... Uh, In terms of uh, traveling and you know being on the road, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. that is the that is the goal, and hopefully that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, by the way, by the way, I want to take this opportunity on behalf of listener Eliezer and a whole bunch of really, really dedicated students to give a shout out to uh, Mrs. Weinberg. Mrs. Weinberg's getting a shout out uh, and a big thank you for doing uh, so much on Zoom and teaching her class. in an amazing fashion on Zoom um, during this entire challenging year. Uh, so great teaching, you know, the entire year, but specifically over the last few months um, uh, through Zoom. So listener Eliezer says, please, a shout-out and a thank you to Mrs. Weinberg, and that's exactly what we're doing. We are thanking her as her class is thanking her here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, as we continue with candlelighting at 810, one of the great traditions that we started recently. You can even, even after 36 years, you can start traditions and good traditions. Yeah. Even after 36 years, you can do it. And um, and um, There you go. Uh, so, so what's my point? My point is that uh, we started a tradition a few weeks back uh, where we have for you every Friday morning at around this time, Harry Rothenberg and his weekly Dvar Torah. It is a great video that comes out every single week. It's done on the diaspora schedule. So this week would be Parsha Shlach, right? It's done on the, the schedule of Parshios outside of Israel. And it really is amazing. And speaking of Harry Rothenberg, a big thank you again to the Rothenberg Law Firm. They are sponsoring our Celebrate Israel special that we're doing at 11.30 this coming Sunday. Matas will be on between 7 and 9. We'll be on starting at 11.30 on Sunday. We chose that time because that's generally parade time. And then, of course, at 1 o'clock, we're sure that a whole bunch of people are going to be switching over to Celebrate 
celebrate um, uh, celebrate the ny.org celebrate wait celebrate israel ny now i'm all confused again i keep getting confused celebrate israel ny.org there we go celebrate is israel ny.org that'll be at one o'clock with the jcrc this coming sunday on father's day anyway whenever we celebrate israel whenever we do anything of note the rothenberg law firm is behind us injurylawyer.com injurylawyer.com and i want to thank them anyway Fridays, around this time, Harry Rothenberg with Parsha Hashavua, the weekly Torah portion. In this case, it's Parsha Shlach at JM in the AM. So the 12 spies have completed their mission of checking out the Promised Land, and unfortunately, 10 of them deliver a terrible report that convinces their fellow Jews that they don't have a chance if they try to enter the land. At one point, they explain that the inhabitants of the land are giants, We felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. And in their eyes, they viewed us as grasshoppers. The commentators point out that that seems extra. Just say we felt like grasshoppers. Why do you also have to tell us what they thought about us? The explanation is that both ends of that phrase show a lack of faith in God. By pointing out that they felt like grasshoppers, that was a terrible approach. They shouldn't have felt that way about themselves. That shouldn't have been their self-image. They should have realized they're the chosen people. They were just taken out of Egypt by God himself with signs and wonders and miracles. God had vanquished the mighty Egyptian army. They should have been saying, you know, those people who live there in the promised land that God promised to us, they're pretty big, but they don't realize. When it comes time to choose up sides, we get the first pick and we're going to choose God so they have no chance. And on the other side, by pointing out that they had overheard the giants talking about them as if they were grasshoppers. Who are those people that look like bugs? They were intimating, insinuating to their fellow Jews that God's not on our side this time. He could have made a miracle. He could have made us look bigger and stronger, more muscular in the eyes of those giants, but he didn't do that, so he doesn't have our back. And further, the commentators explain that they were showing by adding that extra phrase about what the giants felt about them, that they had a very unhealthy preoccupation with what other people think. And we all have that problem. All of us out there, me and each of you, from the cockiest, overconfident viewers who probably think this video is about them, to paraphrase a certain old song, all the way over to the wallflowers who are convinced that nobody ever notices them, but who are still worried about what if someone does, what will they think? We're so often held back by that fear. There are people who aren't observant, but they're toying with the idea of adding some Jewish ritual to their diet. Maybe kosher food, maybe lighting candles Friday night or a Friday night dinner, but they're worried. What are my friends gonna think? What's my family gonna think? I might look like a religious fanatic who flipped out. And there are people who are observant who are worried about the same thing. Maybe they're asked or questioned about, why aren't you careful about a certain area of Jewish law, like Lashon Hara? not saying negative things about other people. And the response is, hey, wait a minute. I do what I do, but nothing more. I'm not a holy roller. I'm not a religious fanatic. I've worked very hard on my carefully crafted image in the eyes of others. Maybe one of the hidden benefits of the quarantine that we've been in is that we've spent so much less time with other people that maybe when we get out, we'll be less worried about what other people think. We spend so much time looking in the mirror making sure that our clothes are just so, and that our hair looks perfect. Maybe instead we can walk up to the mirror 
like the Fonz, take one look at ourselves and, and pull away our comb and say, you know what? I look pretty good. And I don't care what other people think. I'm going to do the right thing, the thing that I know is right, without worrying about the cat calls or whatever else other people are going to think or say. This hair was perfect. Young yeshiva boys way back in 65 We were known throughout the city As the bums from the east side In school we never studied All we did was laugh and play No rabbi ever lasted long They all just ran away Rabbi tried to teach us Torah each and every day But we just closed our eyes and ears To everything he'd say And all we liked to do we sit and watch our TV sets We talk about the Yankees And the Dodgers and the Mets Well, the principal brought the new Rebbe in The first day of the term And he said to him, show discipline Be strong and tough and firm Don't think these youngsters run the school He said with a big frown And by the way, for the next few weeks I'm going out of town But this here Rebbe, he was strange He never lost his cool he just kept on teaching while we broke all the rules And though we hadn't even learned a single word all year It was Pesach time already, and the Rebbe was still here Rebbe tried to teach us Torah each and every day But we just closed our eyes and ears to everything he'd say And all we liked to do was sit and watch our TV sets Talk about the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Mets. When Logba Omer came around, it was time to play that game. Against those boys from Brooklyn, how we prayed it wouldn't rain. All nine of us got on the bus with our gloves and bats. Reddy also came along in his jacket, tie, and hat. Right from the start, we all could see things weren't going right. Some big strong kid from Bensonhurst had hit one out of sight. And just when things were looking up, the tide about to turn. Our catcher went and broke his leg while sliding into third. It's a forfeit, cried the other team. You only got eight guys. No, we don't, a deep voice said, much to our surprise. And since I am their Rebbe, well, the fair thing it would seem is let me be the ninth man, the ninth man on this team. Rebbe went, picked up a bat, faced the pitcher with a smile. Not to cover off that ball Went about half a mile He flew around the bases To score the winning run We danced and cheered Until he said Now boys, you owe me one The next day in the classroom No one moved and no one stirred Rebbe started teaching And his voice, it could be heard We 
all said, hey, it's interesting. The man, he is no bore. The legendary side bums were gone forevermore. Rev used to teach us Torah each and every day. We opened up our eyes and ears to everything he'd say. No more did we sit all day and watch our TV sets. We talked about the Rashi and the Toastless. That's the Werdiger family with Kella Doan off of Shabbos with the Werdigers here at JMAM. Before that, the ninth man, 
a song that really, really came back yesterday into our repertoire uh, during our interview with Rabbi Yisrael Besser about the brand new book about Rabbi Trank. I said to Rabbi, and you should hear the interview. If you didn't listen to the interview yet, you have to hear it. Go to the archive section and listen in. Uh, I said to uh, Rabbi Besser, uh, I, he said there was one song that exemplified Rabbi Trank. And I said, wait, wait, don't tell me what the song is because there's one song I was thinking of the entire time I was reading the book. I said, was it the ninth man? He said, yes, it was the ninth man because of the phrase, since I am their Rebbe, which is in that song, as Rabbi Besser explained yesterday. So that song is going to have quite a revival now that um, it is so associated with the book about Rabbi Trank's life uh, that Rabbi Besser um, spoke to us about yesterday, which is available, by the way, from Art Scroll. Art Scroll has everything 25% off now during the month of June, everything 25% off during the month of June, including the brand new book, The Life and Legacy, uh, Just Love Them, The Life and Legacy of Rabbi David Trank. Uh, you can go to artscroll.com or any of your retailers, 25% off of everything. Keep that in mind. Well, I, I, I know that this rap is going to sound very familiar already because uh, it's happened so many times over the last few weeks. I mean, we fundraise all year round for what we do here, obviously, but there are certain times that we have a really an official fundraiser. And the last month or so, obviously, we've had our official spring fundraiser going on. Most people on my staff and most audience members think I'm crazy for <laughs> fundraising for other things while we're doing our own fundraiser, but I can't resist when there are important campaigns and causes going on. I think that's what separates us here at JMNAM from so many other things out there in the community. Um, and, and today is no exception. My good friend Rabbi Ezer Babad, who I know is doing fabulous work in the world of Jewish education, in the world of saving lives, has a campaign going on right now. And I'm going to recommend to this audience to look at it very seriously and to um, and to give whatever you can to keep his efforts going. He is the rabbi down in Tom's River of Kahal B'nai uh, But in terms of today's conversation, he is the uh, director of a drop-in center known as 1225 under the leadership or under the umbrella of the Jewish Heritage Center, which is familiar to a lot of people in our audience, by the way. A lot of people in our audience are familiar with the rabbis and staff and the great extended family of the Jewish Heritage Center. And this drop-in center is uh, one of the beneficiaries of their incredible work. work. Rabbi Ezer Babad, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Pleasure to speak to you. Tell everybody about the drop-in center. How long has it been around? What happens there on a regular basis? The drop-in center is around for the past four and a half years. Uh, we're open the Sunday for boys, Monday for girls, Tuesday for boys, and Thursday for boys. And uh, what happens there is there's food every night when guys show up. You have uh, a GED class, English classes, education. We uh, we mostly work with Hasidish youth. And the Hasidish youth that show up there, most of them have education uh Lower education challenges, right? Many challenges. Um, we offer them a better and higher education, and uh, we've had many success stories where we have uh, some of our guys that ended up in, in higher colleges and have been accepted uh, even to Hastro with honors. And those are Satmar kids that uh, didn't have any education when they showed right. up by us, and. Um, we also offer them uh, yeshiva placement. I think in the past year we placed over 50 kids in yeshiva Rabbi Eiser, in New York. Rabbi Eiser, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just because I know people are wondering, 
the 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 typical if there is such a thing as a typical youngster who is dropping into this drop in center. Now you've used the word Hasidic. We've talked about those with with limited educational backgrounds. Is that essentially the audience that you're attracting? Uh, mostly yes. And if not for your drop in center. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. They'd have no direction. They're not fitting in. I have to assume that's why they're not in their, you know, in the general areas where their colleagues and their and the kids their age are. Uh, they're not uh, hanging out in their typical neighborhoods, communities, and yeshivas. Uh, they need a place to go and they need a direction. They need some guidance. And you have established, and this is by the way why I knew that this audience would absolutely love your cause. You've established goal attaining goal-driven programs for them to uh, to excel at, uh, whether it be in a yeshiva environment, like you just said, for the right boy, or whether it be in a professional environment in terms of picking up skills and moving forward in the workforce. Would that, is that how you would classify it, that you help guide them and direct them and, when possible, set up a real goal-oriented program for them? 100% correct. Uh, we, we have uh, Hasidic youth that had no uh, workforce education today. They're very successful business people. Amazing. And uh, not only very successful, they're also from. Right. They, they, they keep their mitzvahs. We, we don't ask them to come back and be uh, Hasidic youth. They're shermitary mitzvahs. Some of them live in, in very monolithic uh, uh, neighborhoods, and they're, and they're very happy. And we're very happy. We, we're not trying to keep them living and, and, and breathing the same way they grew up, but we're trying to get them to be happy and healthy. Most, most programs that do this do the same, and we're, we're just trying to deliver to the Hasidic youth. Most kids that leave and they go out of yeshiva and they go out of the system, they find themselves pretty lost because they don't know where to go. They don't know how to find themselves. And uh, when they show up by us, they, they find a true home away from home which is the way we're marketing this campaign as well. Right. And, the, and yeah, I'll tell you the, the, the most amazing part. We're running a campaign. A lot of people ask, how do we know that you really exist and that it's true? We have 160 or some, uh, um, uh, it's like an online campaign. So we have 160 drivers, we call it uh, kids and adults that are, that are uh, trying to raise money for us. Right. If we go through them, most of them, are guys and girls that we deal with. Amazing. So it's not like people people can ask, uh, do they exist? They're right there. They're <laughs> sending out the messages. They're calling, and they're raising the money. Got it. Uh, Rabbi Isa Rabat is with us, everybody. Um, look, I, I, again, the irony that th- this is happening during our fundraising season, but I know that this audience has such an affinity uh, when it comes to uh, incorporating true Jewish and secular education into the lives of children in our community. I know the people listening right now believe in the mission that you're on of finding the right path for a, a from kid uh, and, and helping them achieve that. Um, this campaign that you're running, where do we access it? How do we support it? Until when will the campaign be going? So the campaign is running off a website called Drive Up, D-R-Y, V-E-U-P dot com. And the campaign to access it is, is forward slash nine nine. The campaign name is 99. Okay. It runs until Wednesday, 
the 24th of June. Okay. This coming Wednesday. And it's coming Wednesday. And um, we, we, we're focused on 9-9 because nobody's perfect. <laughs> and we're trying to, and we're trying to say that especially with our with our uh population that we deal with they all know and they live through it that they're not perfect so we're asking people to give us an un, a non-perfect number of 99 <laughs> and help us support the non-perfect population i like that and, a lot and the, and the guys love it the girls love it i like that a lot yeah. because you're not guaranteeing that you're going to get these kids to 100 percent, but you're guaranteeing you're going to try to get them to 99 percent. true Last year, we created a new program. It's it's called Project Shmili. It's named after one of the boys in the program that passed away yeah. at a very young age. Right. And we it's a therapy-based program where we offer any guy that comes to the program or any girl uh, free therapy if they need it. We have a therap- We have two a few therapists that work with us hand in hand, and we send many many uh, of our kids to therapy right. and uh, it, it's been very costly in the past year as people know therapy is but Baruch Hashem we've helped many teens we haven't said no and through corona our therapist has been working I'll, I'll, when I say corona I'll just mention one last thing right after the corona started I was pretty nervous I didn't know what we're going to do with the guys right. and the girls and we ended up uh, doing deliveries of food we ended up putting them on Zoom. They called in on Zoom. We drove around Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg. We even got meals to through our through friends and people that worked with us to Toronto, Lakewood, Passaic, because there were many boys that were back from Yeshiva that didn't have uh, like somebody caring for them, even though they had good families, but they wanted to feel like they're connected. Right. We gave out we gave out so many meals for so many weeks and it was pretty pretty successful. And the guys are ve- were very appreciative, and the girls as well. For the girls, for example, Erev Shavuos, we gave them a, a cheesecake, a pot of soil so they could plant some flowers and feel connected, and and uh, a nice poem. Very, very beautiful. Uh, listen, when you visit us eventually, because we will allow people into the studio eventually, when you visit us, Rabbi Zer, you, you got to tell us about the beginnings, which cases came across your – because you were not always involved in this type of work. Uh, but what happened in your life that you started this effort? It really is amazing, and what you've done is incredible. I'm going to encourage this audience um, to please give. I'm going to encourage this audience to to keep the work of Rabbi Babad and his drop-in center going. Uh, you have till Wednesday, but try to do it today. By the way, is this one of these matching things, or simply whatever you raise, you raise? It's not one of the matching things. I'll tell you, the Jewish Heritage Center took upon themselves to run this drop-in center. To We're part of them. And the reason they did it is because they were so moved by the need of what we're doing. Wow. This past year, this past year they, they got hit pretty hard with not having their Pesach program and Shavuos program. Right. So we're, very, we're, very, we're running this campaign pretty, uh, I can't say desperately, but it's so important because we must continue the program. Yeah, we agree with summer, you. Summer comes, it's very, very important. Yeah. And I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to donate because you're saving a life. Whether you think you're going to put in $36 and you're not, not going to be able to do 99 and or if you, if you do $10, either way, you're still donating to a cause that you are saving people. We send people to rehabs, to clinics, but we also help them get married. We have many of our young boys and girls that we help get married. 
and we're saving their lives. And we're not talk, we're not going as far as Yiddishkeit right now. We're going as far as healthy, beautiful lives that are being created. And the Yiddishkeit part is definitely there. Yep. But you know, I'll add we have one boy that, that left the IDF yesterday. Last night he took a uh, well, Wednesday night he took a flight. Wow. So Kol we have that, we have that as well. Call Hakavod. Call Hakavod. All right, everybody out there, uh, I try to give good recommendations. I know over 36 years I've gotten a lot of credibility in the community. I think I can take the risk on this one <laughs> and recommend you support the work of Revolver Babad and his staff. Uh, you heard the story. It's very simple. I know this audience is always taken by stories like this of uh, efforts that are being made to really help with course-driven and um, organized uh, um, uh, effort-driven uh, ways to get kids, uh, young men and young women, uh, their degrees to the next step of their careers, uh, what they need in order to advance. And that's exactly what's going on both Jewishly and on the secular side. They're doing both uh, for these kids. Uh, go to drive.com slash 99. It's as simple as that. And give whatever you can. As Rabbi Zerabad said, you give 10 bucks, you give 10 bucks. Uh, give 5,000, you give 5,000, whatever it is, or anywhere in between. Uh, driveup.com, D R Y V E. UP.com slash 99. D-R-Y-V-E-U-P dot com slash 99. Drive up. It would normally be spelled the conventional way. The only difference is there's a Y in there. So D-R-Y. Driveup.com slash 99. Driveup.com slash 99. You have till Wednesday for the campaign, but give as, uh, as early and as often as possible uh, to support the great work that is going on. Uh, Rabbi Zer, I really hope that you'll take me up on the offer. I would love to sit down in the studio with you with this wonderful audience listening and get some of the details about what's going on and really how this all started because you're doing amazing work and it is um, it, it, it is wonderful to see that there are people out there who are going about things in an organized and sensible way to really change lives and do so effectively. Whenever, I mean, you, you, you would say this. Now at this point, your supporters can say that they are literally responsible for Jewish families out there. They are responsible for kids coming back and getting their lives in order, both Jewishly and on a professional basis, and finding their bus shared and starting families. And people who are supporting your cause literally are building Jewish families, and that's an amazing feeling. 100%. And I will take you up on the offer, Mr. Shem, when we're back in the studio. We'll, we'll join you. I hope so. And good luck with the campaign. Let us know how the campaign's going. We'll give a final push, uh, you know, here... Uh, with some announcements this coming Wednesday, let us know how things are going as you get to the deadline. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate you, you uh, being there for us and for Klaistro all the time. I appreciate that. And, uh, and should give you Klaistro, and you should be able to continue. Amen. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and keep helping Jewish children. That's all that it's about. Let's get the next generation to be as solid as possible. Chavez, thank you very, very much. Amen. Rabbi Eiser Babad, everybody. He's got the drop-in. If you just tuned in, he's got a drop-in center called 1225 under the Jewish Heritage Center. The work is amazing. I think everybody who just heard this conversation would agree with me on that. Uh, and, and they have a campaign. And you can give 10 bucks. You can give 10000 Do whatever you want. Just give something because you're literally uh, helping solidify the next generation of uh, Jewish children. And again, as you know, <laughs> whenever we put on a cause in the middle of our own campaign, I know I'm always criticized for it, but you know that I obviously feel it's really, really important. More coming up, including Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, if you keep it at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Regesh Viazor off of Regesh volume number seven. Been a while since we've heard Viazor because I don't know how things operate in your synagogue. But, well, first of all, there are many, many weeks we weren't in synagogue at all. But once we got back, um, we have not been saying Viazor because uh, one person is getting all the aliyahs and just immediately starts with the first aliyah. But I know different shuls are doing different things as we reopen we're actually, remember, we're on the road next week to celebrate the reopening of New York and New Jersey. And I want to thank our friends at Kedem. They're sponsoring it. It'll be a live lunch, 11 o'clock Tuesday from the Five Towns, live lunch, 11 o'clock um, Wednesday from um, from Teaneck, New Jersey. So, and all in celebrating, and with all the social distancing and, you know, all the, all the things we have to keep in mind, believe you me. We'll follow all the rules. Um. So a big thank you to our friends from Kedem. Also, remember that this coming Sunday is Celebrate Israel Day. It was postponed for, for two weeks because uh, you know of everything that was going on. Uh, so at 1 o'clock, it's CelebrateIsraelNY.org, CelebrateIsraelNY.org. At 11.30, Father's Day morning, it'll be uh, us with a special uh, for Celebrate Israel. Um, normally, that would be parade time, so we're doing it at 11.30, and that's brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com, and I thank them very, very much. And, of course, Matos will be on live Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m., so keep that in mind. Don't forget our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out before Shabbos thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world, our recommendation is JewishWorldReview.com. Uh, and again, a reminder, next Friday, I'm scheduled to not be here. It is not COVID-related. I am having elbow surgery. Yes, many people have cited Malcolm's line from last week that there are very few parts of my body that have not had some type of surgery. Uh, but it will be elbow surgery. And please, God, after a day or two of rest, I'll be back Monday morning here at JM in the AM. And we are looking for qualified personnel to um, to substitute for me Thursday and Friday, but all we have on our staff is qualified personnel, so that should be pretty easy. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Always good to be with you, and for Shalema, because we won't speak to you next Friday. Yeah. And- Hope uh, your pitching arm will be back in full force uh, I, right away. I, I appreciate it. I'm assuming there'll be a balloon bouquet awaiting me from the home lines after surgery. That's, that's what I assume. <laughs> okay, well, good. <laughs> keep, it's a virtual balloon, keep, you know, like everything else these days. That's right. Very easy, by the way, to send that. Right. There'll be a little balloon sticker coming from the home lines on their WhatsApp <laughs> account. That's how it's going to work. Uh, this report in the Jerusalem Post, I don't know if it's a report, analysis, or what. I mean, I'm sure you could take us back to the times of the Obama administration and, of course, the famous U.N. Security Council resolution that the United States abstained from instead of vetoing, uh, which was the first time in history that that had happened. But apparently there was another resolution being proposed at that time which actually would have called for or put into the hands of the U.N. or the uh, the Security Council, you'll explain that, uh, the possibility of voting on a Palestinian state and having it authorized by the United Nations. And according to this report or analysis or, or the news that's come out over the last uh, couple of months, Russia actually was prepared to veto that type of resolution. What can you tell us about what happened at the U.N. three and a half years ago? Okay, so this is based on uh, Yisrael Yom report that... Um, um, Prime Minister Netanyahu appealed to Putin 
to stop an anti-Israel resolution at, at first about 2234, which did pass in the Security Council in the United States, as you remember, abstained. Right. At that time, they denied that they were behind it. I remember Ron Dermer uh, said that, in fact, it was the administration, the Obama administration, was actively involved in pushing it, which I do believe. And, uh, the, uh, and of course, it passed. And the resolution was the first time the U.S. didn't veto, didn't try to block. I spoke to Ambassador Powers repeatedly at the time. She denied it and many other things, which uh, I won't go into all now. But, you know, a year before, the president told me in, in a meeting at the White House, after a meeting in the White House, actually, uh, he said, I know there, w- there won't be a Palestinian state in my term, but I will create the predicates before I leave office. Wow. And I shared that information uh, and, you know, anticipated this in September when uh, the U.N. session convened. But we got the reports that they were working when, you know, the, all the heads of state come for the opening of the General Assembly, that they were working it. So it's a very credible story to me. And the um, U.S. ambassador to Israel at the time, Dan Shapiro, denied what Dermer said and said it was not a U.S. initiative. It's true the Europeans and others wanted it as well, right. but clearly – the, the key was the, the United States' role. And then they had a second resolution, which, as you said, would have gone further and would have delineated, you know, a Palestinian state along the 67 lines with some swaps, territorial swaps. Uh, but essentially that would have then gone to the General Assembly to enshrine it. And you would have had precluded than the real essence of any negotiations and of what we call defensible borders uh, and secure borders. Uh, so the, Putin, it seems, intervened and let them know that they, Russia would veto it. It was something that the U.S. didn't want, and because it was before an election, uh, and they didn't want to harm uh, Hillary Clinton's chances, supposedly, that they, um, they, they dropped it. What a couple of things. One more immediate in in terms of that era, and one just a historical question. What does it tell us about the Putin Obama relationship? That was always an anomaly, I think, to the average observer. Uh, you know what what they really thought of each other, how much they were willing to cooperate with each other. What does this tell us about it? Well, I don't know that this in particular tells us. I mean, I think the relationship was, uh, as you said, it was anomalous, but. It was much more than that. You know, the, Russia pursues its interests. Right. And they do what's best for Russia. And they do, yes, and what's best for Putin. Right. The, so their votes in the UN are pragmatic. It's who they're looking to get support from. And look look what they're doing in Libya today. Look what they're doing in Syria. Look what they're doing and elsewhere. They, they are trying to extend their territorial reach, they're trying to protect certain interests. Uh, the fact is that he invests very little. He does it very shrewdly and gets max, tries to get maximum gain. He plays with the Turks and the Iranians. He's with them on one day and against them on another. He's on opposite sides in Libya with Turkey, but in, in made deal with them in, in Syria, which now is being violated. So he's pragmatic, I think, and, and drives driven by uh, what he perceives to be their interests. Interesting. And the historical question, or more more deeper into history, now that we've seen and now that you've confirmed that the president of the United States, you know, pursued this avenue 
and almost succeeded. And and frankly, we don't know if he would have succeeded or not because it would have depended, it seems, on Putin's action and reaction. Um, now we do see just how really any president, Carter, who was very interested in peace and in a Palestinian state, Clinton, who felt his legacy would be linked to it, and others could have pulled a similar move. And, you know, and, 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 you know, aside from divine intervention, which I know we believe is, is, is an important factor, you know, it, you always talk about the importance of, of being on the front lines and, you know, being ahead of the issues and making sure that things don't turn in a certain direction. When you think about it, any of those prior administrations could have done the same thing. Absolutely. And they, there were other attempts, some of which were thwarted, some of which were not. And, of course, the role of Israel and its diplomats and the prime minister are, are all important. Remember, there was a lot of tension between Obama and, and Netanyahu after his right. uh, speech on, in Iran in the Congress, on Iran in the Congress. Yeah. You know, you have to factor in all the things and see the total picture, which is books, not, not uh, comments, right. uh, to, to understand uh, fully. But you're quite right. And when... You know, people question why we spend all this time each year at the UN General Assembly meeting with the foreign leaders and all, because we can sometimes score a message, um, just the factual background, because they, they're focused on so many different things that sometimes the significance of a particular move is, is, is lost on them. And, and some of them don't consider the votes in the UN important, so they let the ambassador do what they want. There's a lot that can be done, and, and if you're not there, if you're not active, and it reminds us of the important role that Congress plays as a check on the president when mm-hmm. a president is, is not supportive or wants to do things that are, are deemed to be uh, harmful, uh, that you have a Congress to turn back to. Obviously, administrations are very important, and they have powers uh, that are uh, singular in, in many respects. And, and uh, I know Prime Minister Rabin used to think that the White House was the important body and much less so Congress. I think Netanyahu respects both of them. Right. Uh, and there were others who, who, who really worked the Congress. I think Sean Paris, others um, looked at it in, in that both were significant. But th- that's the role we play. And frankly, now with the being isolated as we are, uh, I feel this vacuum that that we're not there on some of the things, and I anticipate that um, we could see renewed uh, initiatives if, let's say, the application of sovereignty moves ahead. It, the threats from the Europeans and others are are very strong, and there's there is a, a good possibility they'll go to the UN, which has already expressed itself in opposition, and without even knowing yet what what they have in mind or mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Uh, and without someone there or without someone on the front lines, uh, you know, fighting the fight, so to speak, it could be a lot easier, as you point out, for them to get away with it. And when Nikki Haley was there or when right. others, uh, Croft is, is good. But, you know, when you have an ambassador that fights, uh, uh, I know with Dick Holbrook, a Democrat, and when Republicans alike and Bolton was there, they their, their presence there made a big difference. And they communicate a message that whether the the United States is strongly opposed to something or just playing pro forma, you know, opposition, but not really committed. What's interesting is that on the, you know, who does COVID benefit argument, there are probably some who are saying as Israel moves to toward this sovereignty move 10 days from now, there are probably some who will say, you know, this is the time to do it. That, you know, just like on the American side, they can get uh, they can get away with certain things at the U.N. and, and in Washington with certain statements and policies, it may be the best time now for Israel to act. Do you think 
that in fact this would be the best time for Israel to do this? It's questionable because of the, the circumstances. There's a good argument to be made that before elections, you know, the United States will be best. The question is what happens with the rest of the world. And you saw that this week the Democrats in Congress in the House, including very good friends and supporters of Israel, uh, sent a letter to, to or adopted a resolution which was um, very critical of any move on, on the un, any unilateral move. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think, are making references to annexation. But uh, the very fact that that happens in a political year means either they're reading what they believe to be the tea leaves and, and where the community is, or that uh, they feel the pressure and, and did it as a preemptive move against a worse resolution. But you have a Democratic convention coming up. We don't know yet what the platform will be. We, we have um, uh, many people who have come out and, and uh, made statements. Uh, Bolero, the EU foreign minister, is constantly making comments about, uh, about what Israel is going to do. Oh, and I think Israel itself has not decided what to do, and it's going to be something done in conjunction with the United States. Right. Uh, and there are differences between Gantz and Netanyahu. Um, that I know the U.S. ambassador was trying to, to intervene to, to straighten out, and they haven't. So, you know, it's, it's a premature statements, but it's meant to be preemptive, I think. And I pointed out to you last week that, again, uh, you know, the way I look at things, uh, there are many threats from the, from the other side about what, you know, what might happen if Israel would make a move like this. But, again, I, I mentioned last week the embassy move, a lot of hot air. Uh, the Golan move, a lot of hot air. Shouldn't we suspect that all these threats and all these bold statements are, are basically going to fall on deaf ears and that if the Israel would uh, move in this direction in 10 days, uh, the enemy is you know, basically not going to react much, the same as they didn't in the prior cases? Again, it depends on what is done and how it's done. I think, for instance, using the word annexation is not wise. Application of sovereignty, rule of law, other things uh, are much more palatable to people. Mm. You know, in American eyes, in Western media, but generally annexation has a different connotation. Right. So how you do it, what you do is, is very important. Um, and the, the truth is you can't let outside uh, consider You have to take into account... I think all of these factors, and think about Israel's long-term concerns, you know, things that people don't think about. The EU has this 2020 Horizons program, which yields hundreds of millions of dollars to Israeli research institutions because it's, you know, it's the joint research, et cetera, with Europe. That would be a devastating blow. They say that the, all these things would be endangered. Whether they will actually carry it out or not is, is not clear, but there is serious dangers that Israel has to take into account all the ramifications in the region outside. You saw what the King of Jordan has said with the UAE. They modified it afterwards. All of them, the Jordanian official yesterday said... Oh, the, that, the Hebrew article? That was that was uh, the Hebrew op-ed? That was from the UAE, right? Am I right? That, the, that was from the ambassador of to the United States, who was a good friend of, good friend of mine. And, um, and that was changed? That was amended? No, that was... No, no. That was not amended. Uh, but the foreign minister spoke... This week at a at a AJC um, online uh, conference, and he uh, said, you know, the relationship with Israel is on track, and et cetera, et cetera. Sort of putting it in context, saying, but but to them, this is an important consideration. The ambassador right. doesn't write that unless the government authorizes it, and he did tell the White House before he published it. 
Uh, but the uh, the thing I was talking about was the, that Jordan, a top official, Jordan said that the um, you know we're not going to sacrifice our our security cooperation with Israel for the Palestinians because they're all tired of the Palestinian obfuscation. You know, the, the, there was a very interesting story that already got any coverage, but a, 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 an important um, Palestinian official, member of Abbas's. Um, own party and an affiliate of his, uh, a close friend of his too, and and this guy whose name was Jalad, as I recall, uh, or Jadala, Jadala, um, he was the head of of the political department in the PA, and he now has written an expose about the corruption and the fact that money coming from EU assistance in Arab states were transferred mostly to the presidency, meaning to Abbas's office, mm. and there to secret accounts with fictitious names, including those of Abbas's own grandchildren. And he's now seeking asylum in Belgium, and he's given them the documentation and all of this. Well, he's writing about it, but the Palestinians know that they're, they're not getting anything from this, the Palestinian government. And the... the um, the internal fights, the internal struggles, that uh, many of the Arab states are more distancing themselves from it. And all of them have acknowledged to us that, look, we're sick. the people are sick and tired of this, and it's a bottomless pit. We pour in billions of dollars, and nothing happens with it. So, you know, again, it, it, what uh, Utaiba wrote, the ambassador from the UAE wrote, was an important message and uh, published in Israeli papers because he was talking to the people of Israel. And, of course, it got picked up here because right. it's a significant story. So there, there are just so many considerations. You know, for the prime minister, you got the domestic politics. You have those who are for it who want more than what they're proposing. I think that they will, it will move towards a staged implementation, that they'll take one part first. Maybe the Jordan Valley, he won something, uh, and then look at the next stage uh, further on. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Our mind, everybody, our 2020 spring fundraiser is in full swing. Uh, if you haven't yet contributed, please do. FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org, if you like our programming. So, Malcolm, you explained the smuggling, quote-unquote, of funds into Gaza. Even with COVID, is there still smuggling of weapons into Gaza? There is, and there was an attempt that Israel thwarted by sea to bring in uh, uh, weapons. They're constantly doing it, and the Israeli Navy and others detect it, and, you know, they use satellites, they use all sorts of, of ways. They've, they've tried to do it under the water, too, you know, with um, to, to bring in um, uh, weapons. So the constant effort to to smuggle and to um, bring get more and more weapons. We see also the movement of weapons into Lebanon with more sophisticated precision guidance systems for the 130,000 missiles that uh, Iran has given or provided to Hezbollah and in Syria, where they continue to try and bring in weapons. And, of course, Israel has successfully... Um, in many cases, deterred those uh, those deliveries. I Somehow thought, they did not reach their I destination. Thought, I thought COVID was supposed to stop all these uh, smuggling activities. Yeah, but they wear masks when they do it. <laughs> so it's okay. And Israel, I see, is actually shutting down some cities again because of COVID. They're really handling this uh, in a very efficient manner, I must say. 
and but they have to be and it has to be serious you know because it's over 300 people dead and right. the it spreads quickly again as we know and a lot of the theories are being questioned you know that once you've had it you can't get it again now it appears that you can and that the uh, antibodies diminish over time I mean, this is still a mysterious illness, and people should not take for granted. And I hope that people here, I see more and more, do not wear masks, do not take the precautions. I know it's not comfortable necessarily, but it's really necessary. And it's not, it's not to protect you, it's to protect others from you, and regardless of whether you've, you've uh, had it before or not. The scary part in our community, and a rabbi pointed this out to me yesterday, you know, it's one thing people aren't wearing masks, which as you just said is, is terrible, uh, but now people who are wearing masks are being mocked. And that's, you know, like in our community. So I'd rather be mocked and safe. Yeah, exactly. And then not. And anybody who does it, uh, it's, it's ignorance and the. And arrogance. And, and there's a high degree of arrogance about it. I mean, does somebody want to be a roadsayer? You want to be a murderer? You're ready mm-hmm. to take that chance? What is the discomfort? So you have to put this little mask on when you go outside in your house. You do what you want. But this is really, you know. Uh, quite ridiculous. As we said during the height of this whole thing, when our community was being affected almost like no other, ignorance and arrogance, a lethal combination. Um, tell me about this French court ruling, higher court in favor of uh, BDS activities. Pardon me? The French court ruling in th- that ruled in favor of BDS activities. They yeah, were this sympath- is a very serious move because it will affect other European courts and it, it will give uh, a license to the BDS people to continue their um, nefarious activities. So hopefully it will be challenged and uh, that we will uh, be able to get uh, either legislative uh, remedy or some other kind of remedy. But it is um, is not something we take lightly. This is, uh, you know, the BDS people here and in Europe are really loading up for what I think will be a major assault um, on the Jewish community and on, on our interests, but this is the European Court of, of Human Rights, and it ruled against the French conviction of BDS uh, activists, essentially, I guess, as um, a free speech issue, trying to, to um, uh, couch it in those terms. But the Fr- France's highest appeals court, about three years ago, I think, uh, ruled that the conviction of these 12 people who were part of the BDS movement on the basis of inciting racism and anti-Semitism and had to pay a fine, uh, now that has been overturned. Uh, I think the atmosphere is one of, um, you know, where, where people, where the BDSers are getting the sense, and it's quite obvious now in terms of what's happening here in the U.S., that um, uh, essentially, uh, you know, political correctness has run amok, and, and they are making, excuse me, they're making sure that BDSers, the BDSers are making sure that BDS is, a significant part of the political correctness. I think they're trying to take advantage of a major opportunity here as, uh, again, uh, the world and courts are operating a certain way. They feel they could you know, sneak the whole BDS issue into that entire big category. We're seeing more states adopt anti-BDS uh, legislation, Oklahoma recently, others. Um, also, by the way, the IRA definition, more more places are, are adopting, and I hope we can get states and others to do that as well on anti-Semitism. Um, uh, but we see dangerous trends even in, in places like Canada. Um, so the, the, um, 
they will take advantage of it. And I, um, I fear very much that we will see, and we're already seeing the signs of intersectionality, meaning that they are, uh, the BDS people are appropriating the demonstrations that are going on and, right. and interposing the Palestinian uh, issue. And you see Palestine equals blacks, et cetera, signs already. And this is an indication of what I think will happen once the announcement is made that they will try to, to do it. And especially when people get back to campus, we're going to see major uh, challenges. You mentioned his name earlier, so let me ask, what do you think of the Bolton to, Bolton-Trump uh, feud that's going on right now? I, I, honestly, as you know, I'm, I'm, I was close to him. I am close to a friend of his, and I, I have not talked to him about it. Uh, he sort of disappeared for a period since, his, since he left the White House. I'm baffled by it. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, it could be personal. It could be um, somebody who... who felt he was wronged um, to do it at this time before an election, et cetera. Obviously, it sells books, but it's, it, is, uh, it is surprising uh, knowing him, but I guess we will find out much more once we have a chance to read the book. Right. In other words, on a personal and or political level, you would have expected they would have gotten along, at least on a personal level, if not political as well. And he wanted, I mean, he tried for the job twice. Uh, Remember, he was turned down the first time and then finally the second time. And many people weighed in to support his appointment. You know, he's a great friend of Israel. He was um, a great supporter on many of the principal issues when he was ambassador to the U.N. And um, I I don't, again, obviously I haven't read the book and and we'll have to see what, uh, what he has to say once he starts doing interviews about it. Um, is there a continued, uh, um, is there a continued, um, sanction of the United States versus Syria? Maybe I should put it differently. Are the sanctions against Syria stronger now than they have been in the past? Oh, much stronger. And now Congress passed the Caesar uh, resolutions, which will, uh, deter financial aid. Um, and it, it goes and the new sanctions that the administration put in includes Assad and Mrs. Assad as well as others, as you know, the economic conditions in Syria have deteriorated to such an extensive extreme where the uh, at the beginning of the fighting, I think the uh, currency was 50 to a dollar, and now it's over 3,000 to the dollar, the, and, and it continues to deteriorate. Obviously, the 80% of the people are unemployed. Uh, the the conditions that people have seen, you know, they have refugees, the the dislocation of people, etc. And now the U.S. hit the elites in, in, with these new economic and travel uh, sanctions, and they also target non-Syrians who do business with them. And she, and Mrs. Assad, was described as one of Syria's most notorious war profiteers. And then the State Department separately. Um, I mean, Treasury Department, separate from state, imposed sanctions on 24 people and government agencies, uh, corporations uh, who are supporting the the corrupt reconstruction efforts that Assad initiated. And they're called the Caesar Syrian uh, Civilian Protection Act. This is uh, a pseudonym of a Syrian policeman who gave over the photographs of thousands of victims of torture by the uh, Syrian government. Obviously, Israel welcomed them because of what Syria is engaged in. Uh, they are still fighting in, in numerous locations. We know there's fighting in Daraa, but we saw the demonstrations in Sueda, which is largely a Druze community, and 
it spread to other places, but including Dara, where the revolution against Assad began. And this is uh, close to the border with Israel. It's in the triangle where Jordan, Israel, Syria meet. So obviously it's of concern, and you have there Turkish and Russians and others involved. There was agreements that, is now, now, that have now been uh, violated. So the fighting continues. In Idlib, we have three million <coughs> of the, quote, opposition still uh, cornered. Uh, and then in these other pockets of of, uh, of resistance. So the sanctions are very strong and very powerful. And I assume in Lebanon it's the same situation that you described to us last week. Lebanon continues to deteriorate, and the frictions between the various groups, and you see that uh, Nasrallah comes out with uh, some very blastful statements threatening everybody, but the, the fact is that the situation there it continues to deteriorate, more resentment against uh, Hezbollah. Uh, they, they have in place, they acknowledge 130,000 missiles, we, we believe uh, could even be higher. And the upgrading of them makes them, with these adding the precision um, guidance kits, makes them much more powerful. And they're placed largely inside people's homes and institutions. So if, if Israel will have to preempt or retaliate, there are going to be a lot of civilians because if you rent out your, your bedroom for a rocket or allow them to place it there, you're putting yourself in harm's way. Okay. Very similar situation to in the Gaza side as well. And the uh, Iran arms embargo and the uh, sanctions against Iran as strong as ever? More sanctions have just been brought on, on uh, the shipping, you know, the, the boats that went, the, the oil carriers that went to Venezuela, and the banks that support them. We're seeing uh, other sanctions uh, being imposed. They are very impactful. They, they really work. Um, we've, we've seen a couple things this week regarding Iran. One, that the IEA, International Atomic Energy Agency, and its uh, relatively new head, Grossi, has been much more open, rebuking uh, the, uh, Iran. The, uh, even the Europeans have uh, joined and want a rebuke of the official rebuke of Iran because they're not allowing inspections in, in sites now. It's already four or five months that they refuse to allow the uh, inspectors to get to see. And we know that they're moving ahead on the nuclear program. We know also that um, there are various other uh, actions being taken, but the sanctions are really important and the um, there's intelligence that came out of Bad Württemberg in Germany from the intelligence there about the uh, smuggling of and attempts to buy um, the deadliest weapons systems that are uh, are possible uh, from Germany, and they were being illegally shipped. The conversion of the missiles, the and now this new thing where Iraq, Iranian-backed militias are launching martyr balloons into Israel with pictures of Soleimani and Munia and uh, others as a warning to the Zionist entity that comes from the al-Nujaba movement. And uh, so Iran is active on every front today. Obviously, the news eclipses yeah, so much of, of what uh, of what they're doing. And the arms embargo, now the Europeans want a very limited extension, whereas the United States wants at least, I think, five years. Um, and the United States believes uh, it should be, in fact, indefinite without a fixed state of any kind. Europeans, uh, obviously, as usual, are um, constrained and um, think that they can do something because they want to get China and Russia on board to placate them. Um, so to get them to at least abstain on a Security Council resolution. So this is still very much up in the air, but it would be a, a tragedy not to get 
this extended, it will enable them to purchase, it will enable them to provide more and more weapon systems to Hezbollah, Hamas, and others. Uh, and uh, despite their economic conditions, they make the people suffer so that they can continue to spread the terrorism. Because regular people like me fear that just like the media completely ignores 90% of what we just discussed this morning, we're hoping Washington and Jerusalem are not ignoring it. It sounds like you're guaranteeing us that they're not. 100% not. The administration has been very much on top of it. Brian Hook, others who are in charge of on Iran policy are very much on top of this whole thing. And, um, you know, they, they recognize it. By the way, on the good news side, you know that Israel is providing the United States with two sets of the Iron Dome. One will come, uh, in I think, in August, and one will come later on to to test them, to be incorporated into America's defense system. And four new F-35s are going to arrive in Israel, I think, in, in August, and then three more in November, which will make it about 27 of the 50 that they boarded. And these have been integrated into Israel's um, defense system with a unique Israeli technology added to it. And these are very important because they can evade advanced missile systems. They operate undetected deep inside enemy territory. Uh, they have a massive array of sensors, in Israel, which Israel has enhanced. And uh, they can intercept you know, airborne threats like cruise missiles and other things as well. Interesting. And that is good news. Um, finally, Malcolm, and we started this whole conversation about staying ahead of the issues. We started this conversation about uh, being on the front lines yourself, other leaders, and making sure to, to stay ahead of things because you never know what may uh, either spiral out of control or what may change on, you know, on a dime, so to speak. And the, um, the, 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 even though it's a domestic issue, the situation going on right now in the United States uh, especially regarding the police. We know one of the reasons that we've enjoyed what we've enjoyed in this country is because of government-sponsored security and how it's acted in a positive manner toward our community for a very, very long time. Those communities that have an opportunity to formally, I don't just mean you know kids waving in the street, to formally thank the police department and provide them with meals and to show them that in any way we're there to support them, I think it's vital, I think it's key to do that in this case. First of all, we pray that they actually respond when they are needed, because I don't know why, if I was a police officer, I would respond, frankly, at this point. Uh, But hopefully they'll respond when needed, and hopefully they will continue to have a positive impression about working with our communities around the country in every city. So, obviously, I believe that uh, we have to show Akar Satov appreciation to all the frontline defense, and that ranges from uh, police and firemen to the doctors and everyone else, uh, the Hatsalas, the people who really protect our lives and then we too often take for granted. And in the police, like in any group, you have people who do engage in excessive and, and uh, racist, even anti-Semitic behavior at times, and they have to be rooted out. But the, to undermine the whole system of defense and security is, is not in anyone's interest. In fact, the minority communities are even more important because of the, uh, the crime statistics rate. demonstrate. Right. Pardon me? There's the crime rate there. The cause of the crime rate, as I was going to say, the yeah. statistics bear it out. And the, um, you know, for us, the law and order is really critical that we want one stable society. So we want fair societies. We don't want to see racism or bigotry and certainly in the, uh, anti-Semitism. And once one is permitted, we know that it spreads uh, and you create this permissive uh, attitude. On the other hand, if, if there can't be double standards, there can't be 
ignoring ignoring people who engage in criminal activities uh, freedom of speech should be protected but not some of the other excesses and and you know we, we have to, we are largely an urban people and therefore want to see our cities safe we have it's critical we don't want to see an outflow of people uh, which was already in evidence of uh, I think 400,000 people left New York last year yeah. that this is not a healthy situation for us uh, long term, and we want to see harmony. And, and you know, if there isn't uh, the, the common sense uh, of trying to make uh, for fairness and, and uh, equality and sensitivity, but at the same time, there has to be uh, well, and we have public officials who seem to be confused at best and uh, uh, doing making decisions that it's very hard to rationalize that. The people should raise their voices in responsible and effective ways, but it also means complying with the, the orders and means uh, people, especially about mass and public, um, unnecessary public gatherings and, and following the rules in stores, et cetera, for our own health and our own security. And police shouldn't have to be uh, diverted to it or to, to you know chasing people out of schoolyards or at parks. Um, they really have to be, uh, there has to be some recognition and appreciation. And I know that in many communities, people have gone and brought food and brought other, uh, and made other gestures to the police to let them know that we, we do appreciate it and we do support. And I saw uh, in hospitals, uh, it was B&H and stuff, other people. It is very important. People have been under tremendous stress now for four months, and the people have been. There's a very dangerous cocktail with economic dislocation, with unemployment, with, uh, um, with the, uh, the social disruptions are inevitable. This is the perfect combination and for anti-Semitism. So the extreme right now, you see manifestations of white supremacist groups. We see the, the um, Antifa groups. You see others, many of whom launch into or link into anti-Semitic um, aspects and diatribes. So it is a, it is a very sensitive uh, time. Families are also under great pressure, having been locked up for so long or being under financial pressure, and then the kids can't go into camp. And I think there should be more of an effort to make a resolution uh, to, to resolve it, to find ways that kids can go to camp. You can't lock them up for such long periods and for to have summer programs, because if people are just wandering the streets and have nothing to do, it's it's a formula for uh, to see increased disruption. And by the time we speak next, there are a lot of primaries coming up. You're not going to give any endorsements, but you will you will help us remind this audience that they should consider carefully those who've been there for our community. And they should remember that every vote counts, that you never know that your vote could be make the difference because there aren't usually big turnouts, and especially this year because of the, of the remote voting, of ultra, uh, the virtual voting. Uh, mail-in ballots. There are so many ways that you can do it. I think you'll, you only have a few more days left till, till Tuesday, I think, uh, to, to cast a ballot. Look at the races. The New York is being watched this year because of some of them uh, in a really special way. But we see people who, whose views are, are contrary to the interests of, uh, as we see them, both domestically and, and on international affairs. So make your voice count. Get out there and vote. Malcolm, I thank you. Have a uh, we'll speak again. I think it's July the third. Have a wonderful Shabbos and uh, Tov to everyone and be upbeat. We gotta we have a great future ahead. We gotta be involved. We gotta get people to understand what the challenges are. Make their voices heard, 
and to be confident. Well said, and I thank you. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Again, I remind you, I'm not here next week because of the elbow surgery, nothing to do with COVID, thank God, uh, but I will return uh, the following week, and obviously Malcolm and I will be together, please God, on July the 3rd, two weeks from today, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best. And guess what? There's a website, kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net, 10% off when you use promo code radio, kosherdogs.net. Check it out today. Use promo code radio. A big shout out to our friends at Artscroll. Yesterday's interview with Harry Besser, I was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and I thank him, and I thank uh, Rebecca Dahlia Zlotowitz, and I thank the people who are responsible for getting the book into the stores ASAP. The stores have it. It's called um, Just Love Them. Check it out. It's 25% off. And on the website, it's also 25% off, as is everything at artscroll.com in the month of June. 25% off in the month of June right now at artscroll.com. Candle lighting at 810. Uh, Rosh Chodesh is Sunday night, which means Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is Monday and Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is Monday and Tuesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Father's Day is Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there from all of us here at um, at um, JMNAM. And by the way, I am, giver, I am giving Dr. Daniel Katz a special Father's Day greeting. It's his first Father's Day. Dr. Daniel Katz, you enjoy that day on Sunday uh, with your wife and your newborn, uh, your wonderful daughter. And uh, he gets a special Father's Day shout-out. How do you like that? All the new fathers out there who, who, didn't, who weren't observing Father's Day last year, you all get a special shout-out. And thank you for perpetuating the, uh, the next generation of our amazing community. Um, what else do I want to tell everybody? Uh, right. Okay, so Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, and I think we got it all, right? <laughs> I think so. Oh, yeah, we have our special our special brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, 1130 this coming Sunday to celebrate Israel. Tune in 1130 this coming Sunday. Matis will be on live from 7 until 9. We'll be on at 1130. And then at 1 o'clock, of course, celebrate um, celebrate New York. Celebrate IsraelNY.org. Celebrate IsraelNY.org. And Michael Miller will join us in a few minutes, and we'll talk about the JCRC virtual celebration that is coming up. Ah, this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of con- uh, spiritual leader emeritus Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. And I remind you, as we as we bring Rabbi Yudin to you, I remind you there's so many wonderful segments that so many of you love here during our our constant programming at the Nahum Siegel Network. Please, please give generously and support us in our spring 2020 campaign. Uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, or you could just send in a donation. Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. Again, that's 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. And now, uh, to the aforementioned Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shlach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Shlach contains three mitzvos, two positive 
and one restriction. You have at the end of the parasha the mitzvah of challah, of separating and giving a part of the dough, the part of your baking of bread, to the Kohen, and the parsha concludes with the mitzvah of tzitzis. Parsha Shlach is one of the most difficult parshios in the Torah, and I have to probably apologize, because every year I begin the discussion of Parsha Shlach with the same apology. This parsha only gets harder from year to year. Namely, the question that hits us as to how could they, how could they reject Eretz Yisrael? Many different answers are suggested uh, along those lines, or to answer that question, but I would like to share with you what I find a most fascinating, intriguing um, uh, understanding of the mitziv, and I believe that it's his, uh, his meaning, his message is exceedingly meaningful to us, especially today. If I were to ask anybody, what was the consequence of the sin of the Maraglim? So you're going to answer me correctly that, number one, the generation that left Egypt, if you were 20 years and older, if you were included in the count at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, between 20 and 60, that generation did not enter the land of Israel. The women who were not included in that count, they did go in. The Levim who were not included in that count, they did go in. That is your correct answer to the consequence of the Maraglim. Yes, the Maraglim died as well in a horrific plague. But I'd like to share with you a most fascinating nitziv. Moshe, in chapter 14 of this week's parsha, when the people cry after hearing the report of the spies, Moshe davens on behalf of Kla Yisrael, saying, Hashem, don't, don't kill them out. It's going to lead to Echil Hashem. The world is going to say, that not because of their lack of faith in you, but your inability to bring them into the promised land, and that's why you destroyed them in the desert. So Hashem says to Moshe, Vayomer Hashem solachti kidvorecha. That verse with which we begin each and every Yom Kippur comes from this week's parasha, Chapter 14, Pasuk 20. It's the next verse that I'd like to focus on this morning. V'ulam, however, chai oni, Hashem says, I am taking an oath. V'imolech vor Hashem And the glory of Hashem shall fill the earth. What does that mean? So Rashi says that Hashem is taking an oath by His name, and name means his essence. What is the essence of Hashem? 
that Hashem's glory should fill the earth. And what is Hashem's oath? Hashem's oath is that the generation that took I took out of Egypt and have seen what I have performed for them heretofore and did not have enough emunah and bitachon in me, they will not come into the land. Good. This is the way Rashi learns this verse. However, I'd like to share with you the Nitziv. The Nitziv says, wait a minute, I want you to go to Parshas, excuse me, to the book of Yechezkel. And there in Yechezkel, chapter 20, if you go to verse 23, the Navi says, I also, referring to Hashem, raised up my hand in oath against them in the wilderness. For what purpose? And what was the oath? I swore at that time to scatter them among the nations and to disperse them among the lands. The obvious question is, where did Yechezkel get this from, that Hashem made such an oath to disperse the Jewish people into exile throughout the world? And, in addition, we find the same thing in Tehillim, Kuf Vav. Take out a Tehillim, 106, and take a look at the following verses. In Tilim 106, David HaMelech reviews the history in a very concise form as presented in the Torah. And he tells us very clearly, starting with Pasuk 24, that the Jewish people, unfortunately, in the desert, they despised the desirable land. They had no faith in Hashem's word. They murmured in their tents, they did not heed the voice of Hashem. Then he lifted up his hand in an oath against them to cast them down in the wilderness, and here goes, and to cast down their descendants among the nations and to scatter them among the lands. Odpam, where is David Amelech getting this from? That Hashem took an oath that he would scatter the Jewish people into exile throughout the world. Says the Nitziv so beautifully, what you have in Parshas Shlach is the following. The very sending of the spies at the beginning of the Parsha is a declaration on the part of the Jewish people saying to Hashem, we don't want you, Hashem, to continue this supernatural existence with us on such a high, profound level. Namely, in last week's parsha, you remember, we spoke about the three sins. What was the second sin? The second sin was the misonanim. They complained. What they complain about? They complained about having traveled three days in one day. It was difficult, challenging. Hashem meant it to get them to Eretz Yisrael all the more quickly. But they, and the fact that they were punished for this complaint showed that, oh my goodness, capital 
H, he's listening to every word. We're judged on every movement. We can't take this kind of an existence. And so, if they had complete and total faith in Hashem, they would never have sent spies. Hashem promised Moshe at the burning bush that the land is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land. We have to tell Hashem how we are to attack the people of Canaan from the north, from the south. Come on. Oh, the very fact that they said we want to send spies are saying we want to have some control. Hashem, leave it to us. Okay. As a result, says the Nitziv, Hashem says the purpose of man and specifically the purpose of the Jew in this world is to bring Kvod Shemayim, is to bring honor and glory to the name of God in this world. There was to be plan A. Plan A was Hashem would bring the Jewish people into the land and just by the rest of the world seeing the most unusual, productive manner in which this society is living, the whole world would know, the world, the word would get out that there is Hashem in this world. No other civilization in the world could work their land six years straight, and in the sixth year, instead of getting a very meager crop, in the sixth year, you'd have a bumper crop that would be sufficient to provide not just for that year, but for seven, eight, and part of nine. It's completely against the natural rules. However, it is Lamala Manateva. And this is what Hashem promised if we were only going to, unfortunately, if we were to keep the Shemitah. Unfortunately, we did not. The whole idea of Sazria Mitzora, that Hashem brought the various plagues upon the people, upon their clothing, upon their houses, all this demonstrates a relationship of God to His people, Lamala Menateva, which is of a supernatural nature. Had we lived that way, we could have stayed in the land of Israel forever. And the whole world would know, wow, just look at what is going on in that land. Look how Hashem takes care of His people. Look, there is Hashem in this world. However, they're rejecting plan A. Hashem, let us do it. They've already set the seeds right now for the time when they won't minimally comply with Hashem in His land, that unfortunately what's going to happen, and that's how the Nitziv understands the Pasuk in chapter 14 of this week's parsha, 21. Chai Oni, I am taking a vow, says Hashem. Vimolech vor Hashem es oretz. If it's not going to be kimitzion teitzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim, that the whole world is going to see what emanates from Israel, that I'm going to have to go to plan B. And what is the plan B? That you will be dispersed throughout the world. And there, wherever you are, the nations of the world will first appreciate you, and then be jealous of you, and then want to harm you and even destroy you. But, as we say every year at the Pesach Seder, that Bechol Dover Dor, they try, but only by way of His 
Baruch Hashem, saving us from all of the 70 wild wolves that want to attack the one sheep called Israel. The whole world knows, the whole world knows that there is Hashem in this world. It could have been plan A, it turned out to be plan B. Plan B went into effect right now when they asked Hashem, let us send spies. We don't want to rely completely and totally on the supernatural manner in which you are leading us. I believe that this speaks to us in a very straightforward manner. These last few months, we've experienced something, a pandemic, that the world never saw before. With all our technology and with all our advancement, this came and literally taught us an incredible lesson. A lesson that heretofore had been but in the back of our minds. Of course, animamin bemuno shlema. Of course, I believe in the 13 basic principles of Judaism. Of course, I believe there's a God. But too often, when we would come to do our davening, basically the davening consisted of Hashem, I have a plan. Hashem, I think I know how to do this, but please help me. Now that we see that Rabos Machshavos Blevish, many are the thoughts of man, but it's ultimately only Atzas Hashem Hisokum. Now there's a plan B. The plan B comes, my friends, from Tehillim 55, whereby at the end of Tehillim 55, verse 23, David HaMelech says something very powerful. He says, Hashlech, which means literally, cast upon Hashem, Yehovcha, cast upon Hashem, your burdens, and Vehu Yechal Kalecha, He will sustain you, He will provide for you. But listen to the end of the verse, Lo Yitain Le'olam Mot Latzadik. He will never allow the faltering of the righteous. So you might say to yourself, Oh, a tzaddik, this is what Hashem is going to do. But I really believe what the Pesach is telling us is that by your putting your trust in Hashem, by your saying, Hashem, I know that you are the only one that can provide. You are Hazan Esa Olam. Not just that you literally maintain and support the world, but each and every one of us personally and individually, it only comes from you. This elevates each and every individual who has a greater degree of emuna, a greater degree of bitachon in Hashem. This elevates you then to the status of a tzaddik. Lo yitain liolam mot la tzaddik. Who is the tzaddik? The tzaddik is the one that hashleich el Hashem yehovcha. That we have to, we're going back to shul, we pray, very, very soon. It's a different davening. It's not Hashem, please help me. Hashem, I recognize and I realize that you are the only one. It's all in your hands. I'm completely dependent upon you. It's such a different outlook. It's such a different perspective. Hopefully, through this pandemic, we have grown in our emuna. Our emuna has been stretched. Our emuna, our bitachon, has been much more 
pronounced because we recognize truly in old Mu'vado. May we soon, in, with his help, return to Abes HaKnesses and our philos will be, please God, a much more pronounced form of adhering and getting closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shabbat Shalom to all. JM and the AM, my thanks, of course, to Rabbi Yudin as we continue Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shlach, outside of Israel, with candle lighting at 810, Obent Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is Monday and Tuesday, and a happy Father's Day to everybody, of course, all the dads out there, uh, wishing you a very happy Father's Day. A couple of reminders, Hey Chala Torah has their virtual dinner this coming Sunday night, as we've been telling you. And you're all invited. You're all invited. We, we, I was honored to be the uh, dinner MC. I know the menu is awful compared to most dinners. <laughs> there, is no, there is no menu, <laughs> except what you might be eating while you're watching it. But in these COVID-19 times, um, we did the next best thing and put together a really beautiful dinner program with great honorees and a lot of fun. Um, so the Heichal HaTorah virtual dinner this coming Sunday night, 8.30 p.m., heichalhatorah.org slash dinner 2020. Again, heichalatorah.org slash dinner 2020. Uh, check it out and enjoy. A mazel tov to Rabbi Menachem and Sarah Ganak. They are grandparents of the year. Mazel tov to Dr. Jonathan and Dr. Eliza Froelich. They are parents of the year. Mazel tov to Benjamin Center, alumnus of the year. And a mazel tov to uh, the Rosazada family, Lori and Joe and the extended Rosazada family, dedicating the Rosazada Beit Midrash uh, in memory of Davud Rosazada. Uh, Joe and uh, Rabin's father, and we wish them, of course, Mazal Tov and this amazing milestone uh, in memory of um, in memory of their father. Again, heichalatorah.org slash dinner 2020. Also, this coming Tuesday night, I have the honor of being the quote-unquote MC at the Young Israel of East Brunswick concert. It's the free Rosh Chodesh concert to raise the spirits of the East Brunswick community, and you're all invited. Even if you're not a, an East Brunswick resident, you're invited to participate. Eitan Katz. Shalom Lemmer and myself. Uh, you can go to uh, yieb.org for information. Yieb, if you're on Israel of East Brunswick.org for information. And I guess as we get closer, we'll figure out a way to uh, get the Zoom ID out to everybody because uh, it is a little bit complicated, but we'll try to uh, do that for you. But again, information at the Young Israel of East Brunswick website for Tuesday night's event with Eitan Katz and Shalom Lemmer. Well, it is no uh, it's no secret that that we follow the lead of Michael Miller. When it comes to celebrating Israel, he knows all the sensitivities and he knows all the uh I don't want to say politics, but he knows the 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 different situations that are involved that need to uh, be addressed and certainly knows how to navigate a very very large Jewish community that all all, all of which have ni- all of which has niches or I should say, <laughs> which has many niches that demand uh, their own attention. Let's put it that way. So the Celebrate Israel Parade is June the 6th of 2021. That's what we're focused on. June the 6th of 2021. This year's parade obviously is canceled. But there's a virtual Celebrate Israel Parade. It was supposed to be a couple of weeks ago because of the sensitive nature of what was going on in the United States. Michael decided that it's better to postpone. So this uh, parade, this virtual parade, which is giving thanks to our frontline workers who helped us during this COVID-19 situation, will air virtually this coming Sunday starting at 1 p.m. We're doing ours at 11.30 for 90 minutes right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Then you switch over to CelebrateIsraelNY.org, CelebrateIsraelNY.org. If you can't watch it live, it'll be available forever. 
and it'll be on Facebook, YouTube, etc. A, a gesture uh, to, number one, keep the Celebrate Israel spirit going in this month of June, even though the parade has been canceled. And secondly, of course, to give thanks to the workers. Michael Miller, uh, CEO of the JCRC, Jewish Community Relations Council of New York. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks so much, Nachum. Wonderful to be with you again. I appreciate that. It's uh, always good to uh, follow your lead, and uh, you know that uh, I think you felt it two weeks ago, and you certainly feel it in hindsight, that the right thing to do was to postpone to this Sunday. But now we get a chance to put a smile on everyone's face vis-a-vis Israel and, uh, and to really celebrate together. I know it's not the same as watching you run up and down Fifth <laughs> Avenue. I know it's not the same, and I know it's not the same stress or pressure, but nonetheless, it's a nice gesture for this coming Sunday. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, and it's always wonderful to, to see you, Miriam, and, and the team out there on the avenue uh, doing uh, the Nachum Siegel stuff um, so effectively. Thank uh, you. It, it is something which we're going to be missing very, very terribly, um, considering that this parade has gone on for over 50 years. Wow. Uh, I actually saw, I have to sh- forward it to you, I-, I saw a film clip that I shared with my siblings yesterday on, on Zoom uh, from 1971, the first parade on Fifth Avenue. Uh, and uh, it's, it's like old footage of, of the parade. And just think about that. This is 1971, and the kids who are marching in, in that parade are kind of like our age. <laughs> you know, it's uh, funny because I'm thinking now, because I know I was at a parade uh, around when I would have been that age. I, could, I might be able to say I was at the first parade, and that would be amazing. I might be able yeah. to claim that I was at the first parade. Yeah, it could very, very well be. It was, in, it was held on Yom Asma'ut in April, and you can see by the trees there are no leaves on the trees, and some people are really bundled up because it gets chilly in New York in right. April. It can be cold in New York in April. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be missing it this, this coming uh, Sunday, or we would have missed it uh, two Sundays ago. Um, and we're just trying to kind of instill in people, and people are going to be viewing this, uh, a sense of what this parade is. We have clips in the parade uh, from uh, previous parades, so right. some who are listening uh, might be seeing themselves because they march in the parade, right. uh, various schools, et cetera, et cetera, T-shirts, uh, <laughs> you know what. <laughs> you know, my, Michael, the, the usual complaint from a school, not a judgment, just a fact, <laughs> is, that, is that they step off too late. Too late this, this, right. this, year, this year it might be that they weren't included in the video. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 don't worry. I'm, I'm, we're prepared for that. We're prepared for that. That's why we're staying home. <laughs> That's why you have to think of everything. That's why I say you're able to think of everything. It's amazing. Yeah, we're doing the best that we can to to try to you know, kind of put a smile on people's faces, as you said earlier. Um, it's really, I saw a rough cut of it. It's really a lot of fun. It's going to be really enjoyable. And There's you have a lot. Of, you have a lot of good acts, by the way. A lot of good yeah. acts. A lot of good speakers. Yeah, good acts. All the all the major politicians will be saying toda, uh, thank you in some way to the frontline workers. Um, and we're doing that uh, for the frontline workers, not only here in New York and across the country, but of course, frontline workers in Israel. So right. that's why we're uh, dedicating the, the theme to the uh, Toda, the Hakarata Tov, in essence, uh, of, of what we should be engaging in uh, during this pandemic. Well, it's because the JCRC has made this move that we went ahead and made our move, folks. It's as simple as that. It's a Sunday gets to be not just Father's Day, but even more fun. 
In terms of celebrating Israel, we have live programming starting at 7 a.m. with Matis and then at 11.30, which is traditionally around the time that people start tuning into us on Fifth Avenue. We're going to be doing a 90-minute special, and then I'm asking everybody to go to CelebrateIsraelNY.org, which you could do anytime that day, this Sunday or afterwards, CelebrateIsraelNY.org, to check out the virtual Celebrate Israel Parade 2020 with the theme of Toda. Michael, you know what I'm focused on? I'm, fo- yeah. I'm focused on June 6, 2021. <laughs> Have you seriously started um, to think about that already? Excuse me? You're serious? You started to think about that already? June? Of course. Of wow. course. Yeah. I'm so happy. Um, uh, we all hope. We all hope to be released uh, from our, our sheltering in place yeah. for the past couple of months um, in the near future. And we really need to start thinking now about what it's going to be like coming out to Fifth Avenue uh, next June, and we, we, we just can't help but um, think in the future be, because w- what we're thinking about now is just unthinkable. Yep. Um, uh, so, I mean, the virtual thing is going to carry us to a different level, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be, as you said, it's going to be there perpetually. It's right. always going to be there. So right. if you want to really cheer yourself up, you, you can watch the Celebrate Israel Parade 2020. But uh, I'm, I'm not getting my, my steps in. <laughs> you're right, exactly. You're, you're, it's not going to say 20,000 steps on your iPhone this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right, so listen, you know, it's funny. A lot of people are thinking and wondering and worrying that this will only decrease the enthusiasm by the time we get to next year. I think just the opposite. We're going to be so anxious, as you and I already have demonstrated, yeah. to get back on Fifth Avenue that June 6, 2021 is likely going to be an amazing celebration, please, God. Yeah, Bezrat Hashem, it will be, and I look forward to being out there together uh, with you and uh, just celebrating all the wonderful, wonderful groups that are coming up the avenue and the big smiles on everybody's faces and um, and all that music and yeah. the cheering and, and the, the color, uh, the pageantry, yeah. all that is something which we're going to give you a taste of on, on video uh, but we really need to be there uh, physically in order to enjoy it. CelebrateIsraelNY.org, 1 p.m. Eastern Time this Sunday or any time to enjoy the virtual celebration. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, see see you June 6th. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Nachum. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You and, uh, <laughs> Chodesh Tov. Shabbat Shalom, and thank you. <laughs> June. Uh, by the way, folks, I'm not kidding. I know we're 50 weeks away. I should make a countdown. 50 weeks to celebrate Israel Parade. I'm desperate to get back on Fifth Avenue and celebrate with everybody and watch all the people come over and say hi and reunite after a year of not having seen each other, et cetera, et cetera, or in this case, two years. We should all live and be well and enjoy the celebration next year together. JM and the AM, uh, more coming up. If you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Uh, well, there's one more piece before we wrap things up on this Friday and, and close things out for the week at J.M. in the A.M. And I remind you that Naomi Nachman's coming up at the bottom of the hour with Table for Two, Mark Zomik and the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's at 10 a.m. Erev Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's coming up all day long. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matas between 7 and 9. Hour special again at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time to celebrate Israel. 
11.30 a.m. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. Again, thank you to the Rothenberg family, InjuryLawyer.com, for uh, presenting so much of what we do, including our Celebrate Israel segments. Much appreciated. But there's one other piece as we continue to try to get back to normal, and Miriam L. Wallach is with me live via telephone, general manager of the Nahum Siegel Network, to... uh, to make and uh, make official this announcement that we've been alluding to all morning long. Miriam L. Wallach, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Wow, it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel somewhere. I hope you're safe and sound. Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's ongoing complaints about the Bluetooth in my car. I may just pull over. <laughs> okay. Uh, believe me, we're not objecting to that, that's for sure. Uh, we have been emphasizing, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue our um, our spring fundraiser uh, and ask everybody to go to fjbunity.org if you love our programming. Go to fjbunity.org and be as generous as possible or simply uh, make a check payable to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. Again, that's uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street. Suite 3, New York City, 1002, or just go to our uh, site at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is we have been mentioning how important it is for us to get back on the road, for us business-wise as a revenue stream, it's important. And frankly, when we can, when we are able to connect better and better with our listeners and our communities, it is only to our benefit and to the benefit of the greater community. And it's been missing. It has been missing from our professional lives, the ability to travel and go somewhere and do shows. Miriam L. Wallach, we have some good news for the people, don't we? That we do. That we do. Coming up next week, courtesy of our friends at Kedem, and a big thank you to our friends at Kedem, we're actually hitting the road. And I know it's hard to believe, but literally, I think, I don't even know if you remember exactly when. I'm thinking the second half of February was the last time we were on the road. Does that make sense? I don't know, Nachum. That was a corona ago. <laughs> I honestly can't think that far back. That was a very, very long time ago, to say the least. Well, Correct. as the as the flyer proclaims, the Nachum Single Network is back on the road. This coming Tuesday. Oh, that's funny. I think we have I think we have to reverse the days of the flyer. This coming Tuesday, I believe, is when we're gonna be in the five towns outside of the Central uh, Perk Cafe, uh, and we thank Maishi Hirsch. And this coming Wednesday, please God, uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, outside of Sammy's on Queen Anne Road in Teaneck, New Jersey. And this is all courtesy of our friends at Kedem who want to see us and encourage us to get back on the road. And Miriam, I, I think even you were a little, I don't want to say surprised, but certainly uh, pleasantly, um, uh, pleasantly uh, taken aback when you were told just how generous our friends at Kedem are going to be with these road shows, because this is not simply going to communities. This is also an opportunity for people to win some great stuff, right? That's correct. Well, I I don't want to underappreciate the importance of highlighting the local businesses that Kedem is empowering us to do and encouraging people to go back out, go visit your local proprietors, remind people of how important it is to shop local, to stay local, and to support the businesses that really have been suffering a tremendous amount over the last number of months. We've all taken a hit in a variety of different ways. 
but this is a way for you to get back into the swing of things and help others get back into the swing of things. But in terms of the prizes that are available, first off, I mean, this is – this is amazing. It is a provided by by Kedem and Herzog Wineries. It is a wine tasting, a full wine tasting, a VIP wine tasting, and dinner for five at the Tierra Sur Winery in California, courtesy cool. of our friends, courtesy of our friends at Herzog, which is unbelievable. And Nahum, I didn't tell you this. This is a little added bonus. Yeah. But uh, featured at both of these shows is going to be the new beautiful blue pan. That's correct. <laughs> That's great. And by the way, as I told Yoichi Herzog this week, uh, we've had the cans now of the Bartonura Blue in our home, uh, uh, and they are they are good looking. They are the perfect size. They chill fantastically. And even though Yoichi claims that twenty percent of people think there's some type of difference, positive or negative, between the cans and the bottles, I really don't think so. I think it's the same. Great taste and not different at all. So uh, we've had it. You're not. You're not. You're not drinking it out of a straw, are you? <laughs> we've had it. We've. It's funny because I used that comment to Gabe Geller on the air last week. That now when people talk about drinking wine with with a straw, they can, they can almost get away with it at this point uh, with that can. Right. The gift card for the Tierra Sore VIP wine tasting plus dinner for five people at the Herzog Winery in California. It's a special raffle that is being designated by the folks over at Kedem. In order, again, as Miriam said, to help us get back on the road and to broadcast in the communities on, um, on on both Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll get the days straight, and trust me, by Monday morning's announcement, we'll know exactly what day we are where. But those of you in Bergen County and those of you in the five towns, get ready to greet us, please. Get ready to have us come out with some excitement. Both shows, Tuesday and Wednesday, during the 11 a.m. live lunch slots. So it's 11 a.m. Eastern time, easy to remember, and a perfect time to come on out and enjoy lunch and just uh, uh, a, a stroll outside. And as we know, this coming Monday is when New York, not just the five towns, which already has opened up regarding the uh, Long Island policy uh, and their reopening uh, a phase, but New York City is supposed to reopen this coming Monday. So that means that next week it's really a reopening celebration. We hit the road as we commemorate and thank God that our communities of New York and New Jersey are able to get to the phase uh, where you know where they can uh, get to phase two of reopening and uh, get people out there enjoying their lunch, uh, shopping, and everything else that comes along with Phase 2. So I think we're all set. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, as these shows always are. We'll meet a lot of nice people, which we have not done since February. <laughs> it's hard to believe that we have not done this right. since February. And, uh, and I, that... also just want to, not, sure. I also just want to make mention, um, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to reassure people that this will be a show, social distancing program. Right. Um, and both shows are going to be done with respect to the health guidelines that have been put forth to ensure everyone's safety. I think that part of the message that we have to keep reminding people is that we can get back to life, but we have to do it with say health. And so we will be adhering to the socially distancing guidelines, and um, you will be using your own equipment. I will be using my own equipment. We will be keeping Yoni as far as possible away from both of us. <laughs> and, um, and you know, we're, we're, I think that this serves both the show itself and the topic of the show and the subjects of the show, but also the manner in which we will be conducting the show 
I think it serves as a paradigm for how we can all act and we can all behave in a manner which allows us to return to some semblance of normalcy. Yeah, no question about it. It's a really good point, and we're going to do everything according to the rules and with common sense. We're going to do it according to the rules and with common sense as we encourage everybody who's in shul this Shabbos or going anywhere publicly to continue to adhere to the rules and common sense and know that if you are wearing a mask, you're protecting not just yourself but protecting other people as well. You're also adhering to the law of the land and you are not displaying the ignorance nor arrogance that we so condemn uh, that we've seen unfortunately too often in our community and has led to people uh, not following any rules and regulations at this point. Um, all right, everybody. It's very simple. We'll see. Uh, we'll see you in the five towns on Tuesday. We'll see you in Teaneck on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time for both. Thank you to our friends at Kedem. It's an amazing prize. Come on by and just make sure you're in that raffle. It's an amazing prize. And once travel starts, it'll likely be uh, the first destination you'll head to if you win that prize uh, from our friends at Kedem. And it's going to be good to get back out to greet people, to say hi, even if it is without handshakes and it is with distance. Uh, it, it'll still be great to, to see folks that we literally have not seen in months and months, people that many of them who we would see on a regular basis. Uh, all right, Miriam Wallach, rest up over Shabbos and the weekend. We've got a big week coming up as we hit the road again. Looking forward, Malcolm. Thanks so much. And don't forget, Miriam and I have our special 1130 this coming Sunday to celebrate Israel on Father's Day this coming Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in 1130 a.m. Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And now it is time to uh, say good Shabbos and start wrapping things up on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. I know we're over time, but hey, a lot of people like the fact that we're over time, frankly. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Spend the day together 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and NachumSingle.com, and the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. (coughs) Wraps up an amazing week for us here. At JM and the AM, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget, we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is Monday and Tuesday. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Lots of programming. Naomi Nachman coming up in a few minutes. Mark Zamek with the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Erev Shabbos Music Mix all day long, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, Matis Live between 7 and 9. Our Celebrate Israel special at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday. Happy Father's Day. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Big travel week for us finally again next week. Details again on Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Wonderful weekend. Happy Father's Day. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.